Hare Krishna Guru Parampara ki jai Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai Pohut Premandi Evening everyone So we had a, your, at least your question last night, right? Um, it's a, a complicated question um, it could be answered from a number of different angles um, in order to hone in on uh, the way you think about it and, and answer um, to that. Uh, it would be useful to, for me to ask you first, when you say, why is it so uh, difficult to institute Varnashram, what are you thinking of when you use the term Varnashram? And secondly, where are you thinking that it's difficult to institute it in particular? Everywhere or... or, Anyway, so, best you can. A social structure of spiritual community, sustainability, um, that fosters one's ability to nurture their spiritual life without being committed or responsible, not responsible, but uh, um, sort of stuck in material life. Without being stuck in material life. Mm. Really transition into spiritual, sustainable community. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's a big topic, but... Mm -hmm. And so, with that in mind, why is it hard to do anywhere? Full cycle, you know, um, also end of life, Mm -hmm. place where people can live and and be cared for in spiritual life, Mm -hmm. the social model. Right, Um, right. I'm not that knowledgeable about Varnashram, I have a a book that I've been reading, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to, I know you're creating community, yeah, and um, it's important to you. It's a compilation of Prabhupada's talks and talks. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, on Varnashram, I've got that, I'm familiar with that, thank you. Yeah, so, um, uh, uh, so first of all, it's good I ask you a question, because, uh, Technically speaking, Varnashram is a social uh, and religious. Varna means the social side, and ashram refers to the spiritual side. Social religious uh, structure that uh, for a society, and it would be difficult to implement that uh, uh, in competition with democracy, which is the present uh, kind of system, if you will. It's a system in which the church is separated from the state for different reasons, and um, which in some respects allow different religions to flourish um, um, alongside of one another rather than to wipe one another out, which has sometimes been a tendency in the past. Uh, and so the modern world is very, very um, um, differently um, oriented um, and uh, governed and the social structure is entirely different. So some people think that we should have a push to establish the Varnashram social system, social religious system that would 
overturn socialism, social democracy, democracy, capitalism, communism, and the whole world will be run by Varn Ashram. That is not going to happen, and that would be very difficult, and it, it wouldn't be hard to understand um, why. Um, uh, and then there's the idea that 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 socio-religious system should be established for devotee communities under themselves and so forth. And um, there are problems with that idea uh, as well. <clears throat> Often, uh, one of the problems is that the, the Varnashram system is part of a of a path, also, if you will, um, it's kind of the lower end of the spiritual path, and bhakti itself transcends that. So there's sometimes conflict between bhakti and varnashram, hmm? in in which you have to side with bhakti rather than than, than varnashram, and and they don't they don't work. Uh, Entirely uh, together, necessarily, um, but they could possibly, and it would be, it would be good. But where there's a community of people who are already devotees, hmm, then um, typically, in other words, there'll be a Varnashram society, and then there'll be some devotees in that society as well, and um, and the devotees who are more developed, or let's say the renunciates. Uh, they don't adhere to the. They don't have any obligation to adhere to the rules of Varnashram, and neither do the householders who are devotees, because they have their own rules that pertain to bhakti as a path. Um, but in such a society, for the benefit of those who aren't devotees, hmm, then uh, householder devotees are th- are thought to follow the Varnashram as an example for others. Who don't have yet faith in bhakti, so that the others will have an example of a morally uh, sound uh, life, something like that. So, to develop a community of devotees with varnashram as a structure, in, in some ways it's un, it's unnecessary because there's a structure to bhakti itself, hmm? and uh, ways in which devotees relate with one another. For example, in varnashram, you have the the Sudras live over here, and the Brahmins live over here, and Chatris live over there, and and there's ways in which they interact. Whereas with devotees, we interact interact that there are advanced devotees, there are intermediate devotees, and there are um, novices, and and they react and relate in different ways that causes everyone to progress, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and they have a kind of a a communion and a unity uh, forged by kirtan and their attendance, artik and so on and so forth. So, without going into it in in, in in any further depth, that's why in this book, in one place, I, I hope it's published there, <laughs> uh, Prabhupada said, it's impossible to establish the Varnashram system as, uh, as it's described Today, anyway, today, anyway, as is described in the sacred texts, and as it was uh, in place in centuries past in India, <clears throat> where you can't even find it today. Mm-hmm. 
And when I say that bhakti has its, welcome, its own uh, guidelines and standards, procedures, and so on and so forth, um, uh, and Varnashram has its own, another way to think about these two paths is that one is a, well, a socio-religious path, and the other is a spirit, essential spiritual path. So let's take a look, for example, cross-culturally at the different uh, major religious traditions. You have Islam, largely in the Middle East. You have uh, uh, Hinduism, right, in the Far East. You have uh, Buddhism. You have, in the West, your, your Abrahamic religions and so forth. Now, the largest sector of all of these uh, traditions is what I would call a religious, uh, those who have a religious orientation to the tradition. But each of these uh, traditions has a smaller group that are mystics. For example, in Islam you have the Sufis. Uh, and uh, there, are, there are the Christian uh, uh, saints in Catholicism, for example. Uh, Hinduism is full of uh, a whole mystical uh, side or a spiritual experiential side. A, a group of persons that personify really the heart of each of the traditions which forges a unity with other traditions in ways that the religious orientation often doesn't do at all uh, and uh, 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 fosters a conflict even with other religious traditions. In other words, a Sufi mystic and a Hindu mystic are not going to go to war with one another. But it's possible that an Islamic uh, fundamentalist and a Christian fundamentalist uh, could go to war with one another quite, quite, quite easily. Hmm? So, <laughs> the religious orientation to the tradition is meant to bring people in in such a way that in due course they start to proceed towards the heart of the tradition hmm? that if it is a genuine tradition will be ego-effacing. What I mean by that is if we, ha- if we have our, if our orient- orientation to a religion or a spiritual tradition is one in which through the tradition I want to get let's say, material things. Hmm? Okay, well, we need material things. We need food, we need clothes, we, we need more than we think we need, or we need less than we think we need. But uh, sometimes people pray to God for such things, right? And that's not bad, but what's happening in that, in one sense, is their identification with the body-mind complex that I'm Costa Rican, I'm Asian, I'm North American, I'm Indian, I'm man or I'm woman, I'm this or I'm that, is fostered. Hmm? Whereas if you look at the heart of the tradition, spiritual life is about deconstructing that idea, hmm? which will forge unity, because it tries to get at what we are beyond a surface perception. Are we men? Are we women? Are we black, are we white, all that could change. You could be a woman and change into a man today, right? 
for all intents and purposes. You could be Costa Rican and, uh, and, and become uh, uh, British by change of a passport, right? Mm-hmm. So anything of the world that we identify with, that I am this or I am that, all of this is and all of that can change. So we think, I am this, I am that. I'm American, I'm Indian, I'm black, I'm white, I'm Hindu, I'm Catholic, I'm Buddhist, uh, and so forth. In all of this changing, I am this, I am that, all things that could change and do change regularly, there's something that remains constant. So I'll ask you what it is. If I say, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that, all of this and that's are changing. What is not changing? in the statement, I am this, I am that. I am is constant, right? I am this, that will change. I am that, that will change. But I am won't change. Hmm? So the heart of these uh, religious traditions is about the fact that I am and that the I am transcends what I might temporarily identify with in in the world. Hmm? And that identification forms what we call the, the conventional ego, conventional sense of self. And that sense of self is invariably going to be at odds to one extent or another with other selves, whether they be other humans, other races, other nationalities, um, uh, ethnicities, other species. Hmm? That conventional sense of I am this or that is one that, by its very nature, fosters uh, conflict hmm? and gets in the way of the unity that we sense life should be about. Hmm? Now, we try to overcome it uh, religiously or secularly uh, in various ways and, and we can say you know I'm not a nationalist or I'm um, uh, in different ways we can make adjustments and we can we can get closer to this idea that we're there's something about us that's that all about all life I should say that we have in common there's a ground of being that we all stand on. Hmm. It's independent of the things that come and go, come and go. Hmm. We can make adjustments, but to try to forge that unity and arrive at that, but only by really deconstructing the very identity that is constructed out of things that are in flux can I really arrive at that experience of of unity, hmm? and stand, if you will, on the ground of being, hmm? where nothing changes. There's no, there's no, there's no transformations of death, old age, disease, um, and the fact that I am is a huge idea hmm? compared to I am this or I am that, because all of this is and that's are maybe gone and forgot about, hmm? but that I am, this is a huge idea. So all the mystics in a very basic sense, in every religious tradition, 
the smaller sector of those traditions who are embracing the heart of it, I re- refer to them as, as that is a s- spiritual experiential orientation to a tradition rather than a religious orientation. Where in the religious orientation, I think I am so-and-so, I'm a Tico. Hmm? Uh, and, um, and so I want this, I want that, and my, my, my sense of desires and proprietorship my my defends my defines my I. I think it's my country, so I am Costa Rica. Really, nothing belongs to us. So the I that arises out of that is not real either. Hmm? Hmm? So uh, a religious orientation in which we maintain the conventional ego and and kind of try to commune with, with divinity for improving our material situation hmm, is one orientation and the mystical orientation is a progressive one in which it's understood that the, this, the conventional sense of I has to be deconstructed. So I refer to it as ego-effacing. And as, you, as the tradition effaces the ego and deconstructs it, then the, the I comes out, if you will, and it's way more beautiful than I am this or I am that. It's way more big-minded, broad-minded. It's way more... It's, it's universally uh, compassionate. Hmm? We may talk about universal compassion, loving everybody, but it's pretty hard, as long as we <laughs> have, are identified with the body-mind complex. There's a lot of reasons... If not to, or make it very, very, very difficult. But coming out of the body-mind complex, if you will, is what yoga and spiritual practice sadhana is about, then we arrive at a really beautiful and secure sense of self, a self that's sat, it's not subject to the transformations that, that, that motivate our movement at this time. In other words, we're subject at this, in terms of our conventional ego, to the transformations of age, for example, and uh, as we grow older, we realize we're work, we're trying to avoid that, <laughs> you know, uh, um, and uh, and hunger, the transformation, the body goes uh, undergoes uh, death and so forth. And this is the, 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 that changing, transforming self that I've identified with. We're trying to make it what we what the I actually is. Hmm? It's sought. It's not subject to those transformations. It means it's eternal. It's beyond time and space. It's not constrained by them. Hmm? It's chit. It's it's it, it's it's the it's kind of the uh, substratum of knowing. Matter doesn't know. We can know. Hmm? Such it and ananda. It can love. It 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 is. It exists. It it is a knowing existence. And it is a unit of loving existence, and the nature of its, the, the measure of its loving condition, its loving, um, the loving aspect of its being, knows no bounds. Hmm? Within the identification with the conventional ego, my love for one, looked at from another angle of vision, might be my hate for another. Hmm? So to overcome that, this, this is what the traditions are really 
the, all these spiritual traditions are really about, but it's unfortunate because uh, you bring the tradition brings a mass, a larger group of people in, kind of with a with a carrot of if you really want to have a happy life, worship God. Hmm? So people worship God and and they try to have a happy life and so on and so forth. Yeah, but then that's supposed to be like a carrot that then then they see further, they go deeper within and they see, oh, spiritual life is not about just making my material life better, but actually transcending the limits of material life altogether. Wow. Hmm? Not just to be the best human, but to transcend the limits of humanity. Hmm? That's uh, huge. And so, uh, it's so huge that, to give a crude example in history, the Jews crucified Jesus. In other words, he was a mystic in their own tradition. Mm-hmm. Talking about what the tradition was really about, and they thought, he, he's a nut. You know, that's not what it's about. Giving up things? You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Loving your neighbor like yourself? You know, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> uh, I want God to kill my enemies. You know? <laughs> uh, so they killed him. Hmm? So it's unfortunate that, uh, that this kind of happened. This is, so this is an example of how Sometimes the Varnashram, in the Hindu context, we call that Varnashram, a religious orientation, comes in conflict with the spiritual orientation within the same tradition. Now, it's harder to do in Hinduism, because it's made very clear in Hinduism at the onset that the religious orientation is meant to lead to a mystical and spiritual experiential orientation. When I was younger, much younger, years ago, I was uh, lecturing in Chicago for a few weeks on end, and a lady who was new on the block, uh, started coming to the classes. Turns out that she was a married to a Presbyterian um, minister, and uh, she's about my age, and, uh, and she herself was, uh, was a Catholic. She had been uh, in a convent for years and came out and she married. So she was really liking the lectures. And, uh, you know, they were along these lines. So she would go home and tell her husband, you know, that he was, Swami was saying this, Swami was saying that, you know. And so he started to factor some of these ideas into his sermons on Sunday about ego effacement and so forth. And it was mostly a congregation of older ladies and men, and and they got so upset that they wrote to the bishop and had him shipped off to the Bahamas. Uh, <laughs> although he was actually, you know, in the Christian context, it, saying the same things that I was because you know, I said this is what it, you know obviously this is really what it's really about and this is where it really goes if you will if you look closely at it so um, so there's a difference between these two and the tradition of bhakti as explained in the Gita and in the Bhagavad is very much a tradition of transcending this um, religious orientation of life and entering into a spiritual, experiential orientation life, which is a very revolutionary and courageous kind of approach, you know, that we've declared open season on on the conventional ego, and to uh, 
to uh, deconstruct it and so forth. Um, so that said, just to get that in, in, in perspective, I think that Prabhupada's idea in one sense was kind of two-pronged, that he wanted to create this group of spiritual experiential people, hmm? students and so forth, but he thought that the greater uh, population wouldn't be ready for that, and that we should offer them the Varnashram idea and somehow implement that. But he realized that it would be impossible for any number of, of reasons. And for that matter, as I'm saying, every religious tradition every religious tradition, more or less has the essence of what Varnashram is in it, a religious orientation and a bhakti or mystical orientation. It might be a, a, a mystical path of knowledge or mystical path of devotion. We have both in Hinduism. We find both in other traditions as well. Hmm. So there were a number of good reasons why that would be difficult. But now the way you're talking about it, your question is really why is it so difficult to create a sustainable, spiritual, uh, alternative community that um, really uh, serves a person well, from birth to death, hmm? if you will. And um, I think that, um, and that in the context of our particular tradition that you've been affiliated with in different places uh, for some time and, and so forth. And um, uh, there are some unfortunate reasons why that's been possible in some of the uh, bhakti sects. And uh, one of the uh, probably most significant reasons is a uh, shortage of, of, of uh, vital spiritual leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, because the whole thing, the community, really uh, is uh, uh, energized, if you will, vitalized, uh, nourished, Hmm. by ongoing spiritual, relevant spiritual insight. If you take, for example, the Bhagavad Gita, one of our main texts, hmm, um, and you have as part of your spiritual practice to hear from it on a regular basis, then the ability to speak from the text and bring out things in it that the community could not have gotten by reading it, hmm, keeps the text alive and demonstrates its vitality in all times and circumstances and, and, and keeps the community, the congregation, if you will, kind of on the edge of its seat, excited. Hmm. And so without that kind of leadership, then often the... The sermon, if you will, turns into kind of like dogma, and it's just repeating things that are true, but without any, any very much realization as to the far-reaching implications of them, how they might apply in different circumstances, how they might apply in relation to things that are happening in the world or currents of philosophical thought in the world, and so on and so forth. So when you get that kind of a, of a, of a parrot-like repetition where the spiritual leadership kind of knows the book but but thinks he knows it. 
That's one thing about these kind of books. If you think you know it, you don't know it. Mm -hmm. There's a story in this connection that I'll tell you. I've told it before, so, so some of you laugh. It's one of my favorites. One of the main books in our tradition that you know is, is the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavad Purana. It's a very, very rich spiritual text. Amongst the Hindu sacred texts, it is the hub around which they all orbit. The Bhagavad Gita is, is famous, and this is a sequel, theological sequel to it. The life of Krishna is uh, uh, described in there, mystically. Uh, and he has a mystical life, too. <laughs> so it's a very interesting book. It's uh, 18,000 verses in, in Sanskrit. It's been commented on uh, by almost 100 commentators in Sanskrit language itself, translated into many languages. So it's a very esoteric and uh, rich text. It's rich from a literary point of view, from a philosophical point of view, theological point of view, spiritually, and so forth. So, the story goes like this. That uh, father told his son to go to Banaras. Banaras is a city in India which is a, a place of uh, uh, known for, for learning. So he sent his son to Banaras to get an education. The son went, studied, came back, and father said, so did you get an education? And he said, yes, yes. And what books did you study? I studied this book, I studied this book, I studied this book. And then father said, did, you didn't study the Bhagavat. He said, no, no, that wasn't on the list. I don't think. He said, then you don't have an education. Go back to Banaras and study the Bhagavat. So son said, okay. He went back. He studied the Bhagavat. He came back. Father said, so did you study the Bhagavat? He said, yes. And now I know why you told me that without studying it, I didn't have an education. All the other books I studied compared uh, uh, together uh, don't compare to the, the richness and the depth of insight in the Bhagavad. His father said, so you studied the Bhagavad? Yes. And so you understood? And he said, yes. And he said, well, then go back to Benares and study the Bhagavatam again. So he said, what? Well, he went. He studied the Bhagavatam a second time. And then he returned. father said, so did you study the Bhagavatam a second time? He said, yes, and now I know why you sent me. I thought I understood it the first time. But then when I studied the, sec studied the second time, I realized, oh, there's so much I didn't understand. Hmm? So rich is the book. So Father said, so now you've understood the Bhagavatam. He said, yes. Father said, well, then you go back to Benares and study it again. Hmm? So again he went back to study the Bhagavatam the third time. Again he returned. Father said, did you study the Bhagavatam the third time? He said, yes. Father said, and did you understand the Bhagavatam? And he said, Father, I cannot understand the Bhagavatam. Father said, now you're an educated man. And now you've understood the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> so there should be texts like this, in other words. What the ideal of spirituality is, is something that transcends language, thought, even. If I, the I am, transcends this or that, hmm? things or thoughts about things that I put together to come up with an I, hmm? if the I transcends things and thoughts, it transcends time and space. Language and thought are within time and space, ways in which we express ourselves within time and space. They cannot do justice to that which transcends it. Hmm? 
So then why are we writing a book about it? <laughs> about that which transcends it. The idea is something like this. While words cannot do justice to it, one of the ways expressing, of expressing that is there's not enough that we can say about it. Something can be said. Something must be said. So there's a sense of urgency that comes from those who have experienced that. And they want to try, they're moved and driven to try to express that. Hmm? And now back within the framework, having gone into samadhi, hmm? the book is written in samadhi, samadhi nanusmaratadvicheshtitam. Huh? The author was advised, sit in samadhi and this will come. So you, the word samadhi means like spiritual trance. It's the end of yoga, if you will. Hmm? So he came out, and the basha, the language he wrote it in, it's samadhi basha. So it's, in other words, it's coming from his samadhi, and he's trying to put his samadhi, the experience of his trance, into words, into thought, and so forth. Now, though the words and thought don't do justice to it, nonetheless, they are empowered words and empowered thoughts because the background behind them is one that comes from beyond the limits of words and thoughts. So those words and thoughts will be the closest you could get to being beyond word and thought. And they can serve as a compass, if you will, to help us in a, in a, in a, in a powerful way to go beyond the limits of word and thought and know all that we are and all that we could possibly be in transcendence. Hmm. So, uh, so, with such a book... Sounds like a great book, <laughs> that kind of book. Um, you also need a teacher. Hmm? And the teacher has to, in order to teach us, has to be able to speak the language of logic, like I'm trying to arrange my thoughts and my, my feelings that I convey here through a logical arrangement and so forth. Because you're listening with your, your intellect and maybe letting some of it go in, maybe not. Hmm. Kind of, well, well, listen, we listen, and guarding your heart, so to speak. Hmm. Um, but the idea is to be able to, to have a speaker who can capture the heart, who can arrest the intellect, capture the heart, and put something in there. Trans, how you say, uh, 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 transmit feelings. Hmm. Uh, and, 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 it, it, it speak words that are empowered by those those spiritual emotions that the words have power to 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 change our hearts and so forth so this kind of a spiritual teacher will be able to speak from the book in such a way that the students will always be on kind of on the edge of their seats like what's next hmm? which is how spiritual life should be it shouldn't be boring <laughs> it should be the most exciting thing. There's no boredom in the spiritual world. It said, Sri Akanta Kanta Parama Purusha Kalpataravo Dumabhumis Chintamani Ganamayito Yamamritam To give an example. There, just, it's just kind of poetically speaking, but there, all the word, all the talking is singing. All the walking is dancing. It's a beautiful saying. One of our great teachers in the past said, what must be the dancing then? What must be the singing there? What are the, just ways of, again, talking about something that just goes beyond the, our present uh, experience, but speaks to us about an experience we think is possible. 
Hmm? We think we're kind of living for, for such a thing. Hmm? Hmm? We're trying to find really what we are all about in constitution and in potential. We're just kind of looking in the wrong place to some extent. So with the good guidance, we can learn to look in the right place. You can say, look in the book, and look what's in the book, and you couldn't even find it there yourself. And so like for my Guru Marsh, for example, when he was here, he was coming out with a new book every month, like 200 pages, translating the, the text and commenting on it. And we were like, you know, staying up at night, dreaming about what's in the, what's in the book, and what would be the next class, what, what's next? Uh, very, uh, we were ready to turn left, turn right, sit down, stand up, stand on our head. Uh, because it was very exciting, Hmm? very like authoritative in a, in a positive sense and very uh, compelling and heart melting hmm? what prospect what possibility so what, when, a, when a tradition and it happens uh, across the board in traditions loses some life some vitality hmm? in the form of a prominent sadhu Sadhu, you know the words like like saint, hmm? experienced person, who can help us to do that. We 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 use the word sadhu, sadhu sangha, sadhu sangha, sadhu shastrikoi, lava matra sadhu sangha, sadhu shrihoi. A little the idea is a little association with such persons. This is, can change the course of our lives forever, for eternity. Hmm? Keeping the association is 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 that which will most readily foster and um, foster our progress. It's like if I was to come into the kitchen and say, Mom, Dad, okay, what's for dinner? And he says, well, uh, I'm cooking um, rice and uh, and beans. We're in Costa Rica. And uh, (laughs) and I said, well, I say, well, when will it be ready? He says, it's going to be ready, you know, gradually and I look and I see it's he hasn't even got the stove on I said well, at least turn the stove on get the, get it cooking then tell me it's gradually coming so in this example I'm giving the cooking is the association of those types of people hmm? then you'll cook quickly gradually you'll cook but without that kind of association you won't cook you'll sit on the shelf only hmm? so to speak so uh, so this is very important hmm? So, what I have seen, you're asking, I just give you my experience, that, that, that when my, my Guru Dave, he left the world, he wanted these type of sustainable communities that you're talking about. Hmm? But in his absence, uh, in the formal mission of his, uh, there has been, uh, which I have not been not to be a member of, but which have, has been some difficulty in terms of filling his shoes with that kind of spiritual insight and dynamism that can galvanize people to do things that are otherwise uh, difficult. And I've seen attempts to form sustainable communities um, without that kind of center piece, if you will, that just turns into fighting over what the book means or doesn't mean. That's very unbecoming. It's just the antithesis of what you... You would want buy some property. People move there and fight over what the book says, <laughs> uh, because no one really understands it. Um, 
and and they don't understand that it's not about fighting. <laughs> kind of basic point. <laughs> it's not about fighting. <laughs> okay, it's about peace and love. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, so this is very, very vital, very, very important. Hmm. And, and if that is in place, then I think that everything else is really secondary, if you will. Um, uh, uh, there needs to be funding for such an idea. So, But if you have a person who's excited about it, can talk about it, with no money, keep talking about it, keep talking about it, <laughs> and, uh, and articulating it, and, uh, and so forth, and gradually some people catch on, come, want to be involved, and, and so on and so forth. Um, the great mission of Bhakti Siddhanta, which was a little different, uh, wasn't producing sustainable communities, but it was formed like that. He sat in the jungle in Bengal with Bengali tigers, and they just talked about his idea, and people gradually, gradually came around, and and uh, somebody said, what he's talking about, that should be organized. Somehow that should be organized. That should be managed. That should be funded. You got any funds? Yeah, I got some. Yeah, I can manage them here. And so what, and the whole thing grew and developed. And, and so forth. that's really the center, centerpiece. I mean, you look at uh, ISKCON, that, that's the centerpiece, right? Well, it's now you can try to keep Prabhupada as the centerpiece. But after the guru has left, it's hard to keep him as the centerpiece in the way that I'm talking about. Obviously, the founder of a great mission is the centerpiece in one sense. Like Jesus is, the, let's say, the founder of Christianity, but he, he's not exactly right here today to tell us, you guys are not supposed to fight with, with one another. You know, uh, um, um, and, and weigh in on, on so many points. That's why we have, in, in, in Hindu tradition, we have this idea of succession. The teacher, the student, the teacher, the student, and the student becomes a teacher, Hmm? and the teacher departs and the student becomes a teacher and there's this chain this ongoing hmm, of succession so that you always have a living master who can uh, explain the tradition and personifies the tradition's teachings in a way that keeps it vital and alive hmm? and, and again so then to make a sustainable spiritual community, you need this centerpiece. Hmm? And with time, then it's possible that uh, without that, it's not happening. Hmm? That's my opinion. Hmm? With that, there's every potential for it to happen, if that's his or her focus. If the spiritual teacher, if her focus is to, to create sustainable communities, then there's likely that they, they'll, they'll, they will be, uh, be, be created, hmm? which is, is a good idea. But it will t- take some time. You take Prabhupada, for example, my Gurmash, how long did it take him to, you know, a history of years and years and years of nobody listening to him mm-hmm. Hmm? in India and other places and so forth. And finally, he met some hippies in, in the village in New York and East Village, and they, they listened to him, of all people, and they made it somehow happen with him. They made it happen. A, a great uh, successful uh, mission, if you will, a spiritual insight. Uh, manifested in in the West and went all over the world. So, so this is very very important. That's one of the reasons it's been difficult for, uh, and so there's a lot of then uh, argument and that can, you got to get beyond all that. And uh, such spiritual guidance transcends these institutions. So it could be found even where the institution says you can't find it over there. Um, 
and for and they try to manage people and keep them within their group and and so on and then they can't produce the kind of results that the, the group really needs to be nourished so you need this spiritual leadership and then everything else follows but the other things that follow are important too you you, you need the land you you need uh you know you need um a core group obviously of people who identify with the idea enough to be the manifestors of it on hands on so to speak um, then you need others who, who can't do that, maybe, but are inspired by it and fund it, and so on. It's really not hard. It's really not hard at all. Uh, I could do it, but I just need help. <laughs> I, just <laughs> I, I have an idea to do that, inspiration to do that. I need some help, that's all. Uh, so um, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, kind of a basic uh, answer with some tangents into other areas of interest and concern I hope that uh, that 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 helps um, and uh, that said I think that there are other you're you know a member of a of a bhakti tradition our tradition there are other traditions that have um, developed sustainable communities like uh, I've never been there but like I've heard about like Plum Village in France of Thich Nhat Hanh he's got a big community there um I would imagine it's you know sustainable is a big word. What exactly that means um, uh, is uh, different to different people, perhaps. But I, so it, you know, it's not that it hasn't been done. That's one example. Um, um, here, for example, we 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 are doing that to some extent. We have a community in North Carolina that you've heard about. I'm sure we have 150 acres there. We're, we're doing it there. We have a smaller one in in California, 20 acres there. We're doing it here. We have 150 acres as well. So we're doing that. We're doing it a little differently in each place relative to the place and what the place uh, facilitates and so forth. Um, So if that's your interest, it's ours too. So we've got something in common. Does that help? Yeah, for now, that's that's an answer. What's the time? Any other question, thought, comment? You spoke about how Hinduism does not lend to uh, conflict between religious orientation and spiritual orientation. In the sense that the idea is very clear from the beginning that the religious life is meant to gradually lead to a spiritual experience, a mystical life. But uh, also it has been widely seen, like there are smart brahmanas who are totally against the mystical idea and they don't understand the essence of the scriptures. So, like for example in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, there was a lot of opposition from them. Yeah, I mean it's not that it's absent. But it's, 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 I think it lends itself less to it. Hmm? I mean, you take Christianity, for example. One of the reasons that Christianity was successful is because they sold the miracle, as it is thought, of Christ's um, resurrection all over Europe, which was a place of uh, what the Christians referred to as uh, paganism. And they had all types of what was referred to as superstitions, and um, 
so-called miracles, and this miracle trumped all other miracles. Hmm. And but now, this was part of the selling of, of the Christian idea. I mean, there were there was more to it than that. There were the examples of the, the martyrs and people who really believed in it, and they were saintly and so on and so forth. But but largely, in another sense, they're selling this miracle. Now, if you go to one of the reasons that Christianity hasn't been uh, as successful in India as it has in other parts of the world is because it's a place of miracles. <laughs> there are all kind of mystics in India. People, you know, burying their heads underground, you know, for for a month and <laughs> and uh, you know, living on a bed of nails and all kind of things. You know, uh, all types of mystics and different traditions that are traditions of mystics. Groups of them, you know, living in caves in the Himalayas and stuff like that, and coming back from the dead. Yeah, well, I've done that, you know, <laughs> that kind of a thing. So it didn't sell so well over there. Uh, something like that. So it, it, you can find the same problem. Hmm? You give an example of it, but it's not the tradition doesn't lend itself as readily to it. I don't believe. <laughs> uh. That said, you know, um, somebody asked me what my religion was the other day, and I said, to love my God with all my heart and soul and love my neighbor like myself. And that's Christianity, too. So, in essence, if you look at it, yeah. Now, if we want me to give a lecture on what that means, that's another thing that would be explored a little more deeply than the average um, church uh, on Sunday person. <laughs> So, all right, well, nice to speak with you all. Welcome back. You're coming for another visit. What's your name? Daniel. Daniel. You're, you're okay tonight? Yes. Yeah. Last time you were in distress, you brought some friends, right? Welcome. What is your name? Tina. Tina? Tina e. Daniel. Daniel. Daniel también. Y habla inglés. Okay. Okay. You said Abling is being, no? No. Yes, medium. Okay. 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 See, see, Dajiko Paul Kijai. Go with Bhakti Rindaki Jai. Go with Premanandi. Okay.